Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to Believe in Raiders Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, we're feeling good. The Raiders came away on Monday Night Football with a 17-13 win over the Green Bay Packers. It was the first time they beat the Packers stand since 1987 when Rusty Hilger was the starting quarterback for the Raiders. Exactly. And the Raiders were still based in Los Angeles at that time. So, Stan, uh, give me your assessment of the Raiders' win here this evening. Oh, obviously it wasn't the most beautiful win, but they were able to go ahead and still come out victorious, coming up with the big INT right there to go ahead and seal the victory, having three total turnovers on the day, or should I say three interceptions? So definitely was pleased to see that, but to squeak out a victory against the Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers obviously shows that they're not where they need to be at, but it's still a win, so I'm not going to go ahead and uh, take it all the way in vain. I'm going to go ahead and be happy and celebrate it. And Stan, as you know, you played eight years in the NFL. A win is a win, and man, they are hard to come by. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, let's get the promo rate in here, and then we can break down the game more after that. Uh, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, which are in the playoffs now, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting. And your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Stan, I want to focus on the Raiders defense because I asked you last week. I thought they played well in the second half uh, against the Chargers. Uh, Mm -hmm. They held Justin Herbert to 167 yards. They shut out the Chargers in that second half. Now, tonight, as you mentioned, three more turnovers. They had just one coming into tonight. Roberts playing had a career-high two interceptions, and then Amico Robertson at the end of the game with the interception in the end zone to seal the victory. Um, Stan, they limited the Packers to just 13 points under 300 yards. Max Crosby picked up another sack, and he just wreaked havoc on that Packers uh, offensive game plan the entire night. So, Stan, I'll ask you again, are you seeing progress now from the Raiders' defense, something that they can build on moving forward? Oh, you're seeing some progress, uh, obviously, coming up with the three big interceptions, two with Spillane, obviously the one, the last one to Emick Robertson, and then the second one that was basically created by Marcus Peters doing a great job breaking that pass up. Yeah, it, 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 gives, you, it gives you reason for – uh, for for hope it gives you reason for optimism but also at the same time this is against the Jordan Love led Green Bay Packers not the Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packers so that also gives you cause to pause as far as putting a lid on your heightened optimism I want to see them do this against a higher level quarterback a higher level offense that seems like it's more well put together before I can automatically say you know what I'm now starting to see steps in the right direction Okay, on the flip side, though, they did do it in the second half against Justin Herbert, who we can both agree on the top five quarterback in the NFL, yes. right? So, okay, so how about you're starting to see maybe building blocks? Can I go that way? With you? Yeah, you can say building blocks, but also at the same time, the one biggest thing that 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 most of the detractors would say about a Justin Herbert is what? 
he can't finish. You see the 27-0 lead that they have against the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, the wild card round, and then guess what? Somehow, some way, they blow it. We look at the Los Angeles Chargers as being a team that is extremely talented, very high-octane offense, but for some reason, they just can't quite put it together for, uh, for God knows why. So for them to do a good job of coming back after being down, what was the score at halftime against the Chargers? I uh, blew it. It was 24 to three, wasn't it? <laughs> it's yes. 24, three, 24, seven, something seven, like that. Yeah, right. So, right. so just off of that alone, okay. Yeah, they played well in the second half, but to put out a fire that you created, I can't give you loads of credit on that. So, I want to see the Raiders come out and do that from the very beginning of the game, not just in the second half when they're playing catch up, when it obviously it seems like it's a blown away lead. And now they got to try to get back into the game. So I understand the point, but I would think that most of Raider Nation sitting back now digesting this game, good victory. You won the game. That's the main thing. So I'm happy about that. But for you to ask me to go ahead and be objective in what I'm seeing, that's where I would be a little bit hesitant or apprehensive with having loads of optimism because of who they were able to have their greatest defensive output against. Okay. Some numbers, though, just to end on this topic, and then we'll move on. Stan, the Raiders' defense over the last six quarters, and I want to make sure I get this right, 13 points allowed, all coming to tonight. Just one touchdown, which came on Monday night as well. Four turnovers and three sacks. And like I said, Max Crosby just uh, – Stan, Max Crosby, it, it's mind-boggling what he's doing because basically he's almost like a one-man wrecking crew out there because yeah. the Raiders just don't have a lot of playmakers anywhere else, and it just – I just marvel, and I think you even heard it from from uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They were marveling at Crosby as well tonight. Oh, well, for one, he's a Texas guy. So, you know, I ride <laughs> with all my guys from Texas. That's number one. But I can tell you like this, as great as Max Crosby is, obviously looking like he's on his way to a yet a third straight Pro Bowl season. And I want everybody in Raider Nation to hear this very loudly, very clearly. Max Crosby is the reason why everybody is going to dump on Tyree Wilson. Because Max Crosby was a fourth-round pick. And Max Crosby had 10 sacks as a rookie back in 2019. So we now see what he's become within the NFL. I think I just saw a stat on ESPN how over the last three or four seasons, he's got the most quarterback pressures, mm-hmm. uh, like even more than, than uh, Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa and, and all of those guys. World, right? So, yeah, so that's what Tyree Wilson is now going to be compared to. And Tyree Wilson, top 10 pick. Max Crosby, fourth-round pick out of Eastern Michigan. So he's the reason why everybody is going to be sorely disappointed and really, really come down on a Tyree Wilson. It's because of him, not necessarily the fact that Tyree Wilson is an automatic bust just because he hasn't made some great impact throughout the first five weeks of the season. Well, it's still early in uh, Tyree Wilson's career. Let's hope he can uh... – Build on it like the Raiders are building. We'll see what happens the rest of the way. All right, so let's go over to the other side of the football now. The Raiders' offense still has not scored 20 points in a game. Uh, I think the O-line continued to struggle tonight, uh, allowing four sacks. Jimmy G threw his uh, NFL-leading seventh interception. The Raiders failed to rush for over 100 yards. Stan, let me begin with Jimmy G. And to me, he still just doesn't look comfortable playing behind that Raiders' offensive line. Fair assessment? Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment. You look at how Jimmy G has been over the years of being in New England, then going to San Francisco, and we know that Bill Belichick, having an offensive line that can protect Tom Brady, 
Kyle Shanahan, having an offensive line that can protect Jimmy G, or whether it was Trey Lance and now it's Brock Purdy, and the ability to be able to create an offense where it's centered around the run game. That way it can set up the play action. Or if they got to drop back and pass, it's going to be Max Pro. It's going to be quick game to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And just that creativity within that offense. Yeah, he probably isn't all the way comfortable being behind that offensive line, would you? And so I think that that, when you factor in Jimmy G, his, his durability issues, and obviously, like you just said, he leads the league in interceptions. And correct me if I'm wrong, he didn't even play last game. Exactly. So – He's essentially thrown seven picks in four games. Obviously, that's not something that anybody within Raider Nation would want to see, and that's something that he's going to have to go ahead and shore that up if these Raiders want to at least be somewhat respectable within this AFC. And maybe, who knows, they can get on a little bit of a run late on in the season, something like that, with these building blocks that you're seeing that the defense is now displaying and maybe somehow be fighting for a wild card berth late December, something like that. But he definitely is going to have to make sure that he takes care of the ball and he's going to have to find a way to do it because this offensive line is not going to have some massive overhaul between now and early January. That's not going to happen. Maybe next year in 2024, but right now in these remaining 13 weeks, 12 more games, and obviously the bye week, you're not going to see a massive overhaul or a massive increase in the ability with this offensive line. So he's going to have to find a way to make it work. All right, Stan, let me ask you this. Jimmy G, he was hand-selected by GM Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniels. This is the guy they wanted. That's why they jettisoned Derek Carr. So let me ask you this. How much confidence do you think Josh McDaniels has in Jimmy G right now with everything that you just said? I wouldn't say his confidence is very high. I think because he knows Jimmy G, coached Jimmy G back all the way to the days with New England, I think he has a certain level of comfortability with him. I think that he believes in him, but I think he also knows what Jimmy G is. I think that if you were to ask Josh McDaniels before the season started, off camera, emphasis on the word off camera, this season, coming into this season, how many games did he think Jimmy G would actually play in? I don't think he would have actually said he's going to play all 17 regular season games just because we all know the history of Jimmy G. So I think that there's a certain level of comfort I think there's a certain level of optimism and confidence, but I don't think it's through the roof just because Josh McDaniels, when he goes home at night, he looks himself in the mirror. He's honest with himself. And I think that when you factor in, Jimmy G came out in what I believe 2014, the same year as Derek Carr. At this point in your career, you've now entered that, that vortex that, or that, that realm of you pretty much are who you are. You are what you are. It's going to be very difficult to reinvent yourself this deep into your career. Doesn't mean that Jimmy G's a scrub by any stretch, but I think that Josh McDaniels knows what he's getting. I think Jimmy G, whatever year he is in, Stan, has got to learn a throwaway is okay. That's, that, that yes. is my biggest thing. I mean, don't, I mean, you see it, all the forced balls uh, but, that he does. You know, I, but you know what, DA, I'll tell you this. Think about it. For Jimmy G, for in his defense, so far in his career, he started off with who? New England. Right. Jimmy G is a two-time Super Bowl champion. Always as remember. As a backup, but yes. I no, no, no. Said. True. We all know that. I know what you Jimmy G, I know. But right. Jimmy G is a two-time Super Bowl champion, yes. and he was on the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots won those Super Bowls because, obviously, they had Tom Brady. They're going to make sure to protect Tom Brady, good offensive line. Yes. And then also, the defenses were pretty good. 
They weren't the Chicago Bears of 1985, but they were pretty good. San Francisco. They went to the Super Bowl. They were a missed post pattern to Emmanuel Sanders away from winning the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. What are the 49ers known for over the last several years? Great defense. Good offensive line. And great running game. Good defense. So for Jimmy G, he's now on a team where this is completely different from what he's used to. What do you mean I don't have a great offensive line that I can just go ahead and lean on and just run the ball with? What do you mean I don't have a great defense where I can be more of a game manager, make a few throws here and there, and I know my defense will bail me out? So for him, this is different. This is different territory. Now, I'm not going to completely absolve him, but in his defense, he's now in a different dynamic of a team that he's not accustomed to throughout his first several years playing in the NFL. Stan, let me ask you this. You played eight years in the NFL. Uh, you're currently on the coaching staff, University of Houston. When you watch the Raiders and you see the play calling and you see the formations, how much confidence do you have in Josh McDaniels? I think it's really just about uh, the creativity within the, the 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 scheme or the formations. I don't think that there's and anything how much wrong are you with it. I don't mind. I should do an interview, but how much creativity are you seeing from this? Not as much right as now? I probably, not as much as I want to, but I come back to maybe for Josh McDaniels. Remember, this is the same guy. He was calling plays for the New England Patriots. So it's not like he's a complete dummy. I think for him in, in this instance, he may not feel that he has an offensive line that can protect long enough to run some of these more exotic, some of these more creative pass concepts, things like that. Maybe that's the reason why. Maybe it's because he doesn't have Tom Brady and and Jimmy G, he doesn't feel is able to have the intellect to be able to go ahead and dissect, be able to predict what the defense is about to do, be able to process, is that safety going to come down and it's going to be single high? Is it going to be cover two? Is it going to be split safety? Is it going to be cover five? Is it going to be cover six? Things like that. That's what I think, Josh McDaniels, why he may be so hesitant to uh to now open up the playbook, the playbook completely with all the creativity and the dynamic, the exotic type of offensive schemes that you see with the Sean McVays, with the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, people like that. That's what I think, because I would like to believe that he was not in New England all that time being around Bill Belichick and didn't learn a goddamn thing. That's what I would like to believe. So that's what I would, that's what I'm going to assume is the reason why you're seeing this offense tend to be more methodical, tend to be a little bit more slow paced, be a little bit more, I guess you would say, normal of any stretch of of anything like that. That's what I'm going to choose to believe as far as how vanilla it looks right now. All right. Last question about Josh McDaniels. And it's easy to second guess, but Raiders have the ball, fourth and one. On the Green Bay 35-yard line, two-minute warning. Green Bay has one timeout left, Stan. Do you like the decision to kick the field goal? I know Daniel Carlson is one of the best kickers in the NFL. You're talking about right before the half. No, right at the end of the game. The oh, at the end of the game. First down ends the game, fourth and one. I mean, I, I personally would have gone for it, and I'm a little more conservative. A 52-yarder is long, even though, like I said, Daniel Carlson is one of the best kickers in the NFL. I think I would have went for it, put the ball in the offensive hand. I know the offensive line struggles. We talked about that. Exactly. But I got to believe the Raiders, I, I don't know. I, control your own destiny, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, Stan. And I think at that point, and I think this is why there's so many plays within a game is why people doubt Josh McDaniels as yes. a head coach. And I think that's one of them. And I, no like I, said, I know it's easy for me to sit back here and second guess and play Monday morning quarterback and all that. But I think in that situation, you got to go for it. Stan, if you don't get it, God bless the Packers. Give them credit. They did their job. And the Raiders, tip your cap. 
and, and try to come up with a defensive snap, which they ended up having to do. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand exactly what you're saying. I think in, in moments like that, yeah, you have to believe in your offensive line, but I could easily see why you don't. You look at Josh Jacobs only having about, what, 69 yards on the day. Obviously, the run game has not been what it was last year. So you can see why you're hesitant to just go ahead and go for it. And I think that in those situations, it really just comes down to the result. Because if, if you wind up winning the game, obviously nobody's going to second guess anything that you called or any call that you made or did not make. But you lose the game, now everything is left up to scrutiny. So I think that, uh, like you just said, it's very easy to be a Monday evening quarterback. But in that moment, you know, that's why head coaches get paid the big bucks. They have to be able to make that decision. And they got to hope and pray that it turns out to wind up be, being successful for their team. All right, finally, Stan, I thought there were two instances where the Raiders uh, earlier this year would have lost this game, and last year definitely would have lost this game. Obviously, the final drive, the Raiders' defense stood tall. Amik Robertson came up with the interception uh, in the end zone to seal the deal. And then there was one stand at the end of the first half and at the start of the second half. The Raiders uh, intercept Jordan Love. They're ahead 7-3. to three. They get the ball first and seven on the Green Bay uh, it's first and goal, beg your pardon. They have the ball first and seven on the first and goal in the Green Bay seven. Spit it out there. That's yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> they settle for a th three points, and I didn't like the play calling. Then they force a three and out, and then they miss a field goal at the end of the first half. So basically, Stan, they left seven points to me on the board. It's mm -hmm. a 10 3 game. Could be 17 3 you're looking at. And then the Raiders get the ball to start the second half. Jimmy G throws the pick. Yep. Green Bay goes down That'll and scores, right? So we're tied up at 10. The Raiders go three and out. They pump the ball deep. Green Bay hits a big play. Marcus Peters with a great horse collar tackle. I can't believe I'd say it's a great horse collar tackle, but he saved a touchdown. Yeah, and forced and the field goal. Yeah, forced the field 13-10. Right there, I thought the Raiders were just going to roll over and play dead, but they actually responded with the touchdown. Your yeah, that was that? Uh, something that in years past they probably would have disintegrated or should I say crumbled. So definitely kudos to them for banding together and just simply weathering the storm. Obviously, anytime that you play another team on Sunday, Monday, or Thursday night football, they're going to have some plays. They're going to make a run. They're going to have some positive plays. And you have to be able to weather the storm. you got to be able to band together and not completely crumble like what you just alluded to. And for Marcus Peters to get these, these smart horse-collar tackle, and it now makes them snap it again. They now have to go ahead and try to punch the ball in the end zone, which they weren't able to, and then now kick a field goal, which makes it now a game that's still within one score, things like that. And then you see the Josh Jacobs touchdown for them to go ahead and now retake the lead. So uh, it definitely is complimentary football. You can see how one play can lead to another play and then eventually the outcome of the game. But yeah, I'm right there with you. In years past, they probably would have disintegrated. They probably would have crumbled. They probably would have fallen apart. They probably would have started blaming each other, but they didn't do that. So you got to give kudos to obviously the Raiders, but also the coaching staff for making sure that the sidelines still stayed together. All right, Stan, up next Sunday, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots coming to town. They've been outscoring the last two games by a combined 72 to three. Stan, you can make the case the Patriots, I know they have one win and, and the Carolina Panthers are winless. You can make the case the Patriots might be the worst team in the NFL. This is a winnable yeah. game for the Raiders. And believe it or not, they could be 500 through six games if they can pick up a victory on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt about it. They they can, and that's what scares me. You look at how the New England Patriots played against the New Orleans Saints last week, the, and then the week before that, the Dallas Cowboys. That was god-awful. And having two putrid games back-to-back -back 
That's what just makes me believe that this is like a trap game and the Patriots will actually come out and have a good showing. Um, so that's why I know what you're about to ask me. What's my prediction? Things like that. My gut is telling me that the Patriots are going to come out and actually have some fight. They're going to come out and actually put together a good performance. Will they win the game? I'm not certain on that. But anytime you go against a team that has several bad back-to-back games, you just have to believe within the football gods, just the way football works, that they're not going to go out there and lay an egg for a third straight game. That somehow, some way, something has to get going. And that's what makes me nervous. I would much rather be they just had a good game last week, and now, you know what, they're resting on their laurels. Maybe they're just simply getting a little bit too ahead of themselves, overlooking us, things like that. But I always got nervous whenever we go going against a team that's had several back-to-back bad games because you got to think that sooner or later they're going to get the ball rolling and, huh, what do you know? They got us coming up, and they could very well get it going against us. So uh, definitely uh, I'm nervous about this New England Patriots game, but I think the Raiders can't come out victorious. My mom used to always say, oh, they're due. When a team's exactly. like that. Exactly. They're yep. Due. They're due. Uh-huh. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, my man. Once again, the Raiders pick up their second victory of the season, a 17-13 win over the Green Bay Packers. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of the Bleed in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rout, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.